Holy, holy, holy is the bride Christ Almighty. Mrs. Christ. Mm. Your inner man is the bride. Because God is spirit. Have you divorced your outer man? Everyone in the bride hasn't lived for the outer man facade of the grave clothes for many, many moons. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> there is a wine for the spirits who have reached full spiritual stature and become a mature bride or a mature spirit. A bride is a spirit married to God who is spirit, joined in union in spirit and truth. A true worshiper in the kingdom realm of Zion. Thank you, Father, for a cloud of wonders. I would just encourage everyone to put all your knowledge in the fire today. That's how you get more. Everything you're comfortable with in God, put it in the fire of God. Put it in the glory of God and watch it multiply. It's called sowing and reaping. You know, you can sow wisdom and reap more. Sowing and reaping is not just for finances in the glory. Sowing and reaping is for every aspect of your life. You need energy, sow energy. You need motivation, sow motivation. You need cleanliness, sow cleanliness. You need excellence, sow excellence. What you sow, you shall reap. We want grin reapers. Happy, blessed, because they've been sowing the things of God. Amen. Welcome. Joel's Bar. It's like Joel's Lounge today. <laughs> Good to have Rebecca on the show. Hey, guys. All the way from Austin, Texas. Love you guys. Actually from heaven. We're just sojourning. Ambassadors from a different world. We wanted to come hang out with the humans for a while. We were born in Zion. You know what's funny? So were you of the same heavenly angelic race of beings that created the worlds with a whisper. You have faith for it? Christ in you does. We have come here tonight to renew our minds. What do you do after you find Jesus in the midst of you? What do you do after you get your fire insurance, salvation card, signed and sealed, delivered, saved? You are going to heaven when you die. What do you do after you found the Lord Jesus in you? Grow. Growing in God, he planted a garden in you. And if you keep it watered by drinking the heavenly glory, the whole entire Garden of Eden will grow 
up in the garden life of your hearts. <laughs> the mystery of the gospel is it is the seed of Eden. You had the seed of hell from the serpents in the garden, and now you're coming out of fallen angel seed into risen Lord Jesus seed, Greek word sperm. Greek word sperm. Because it must take root in the soil, which is agriculturally impregnate, with the word of God. The seeds of the Garden of Eden are looking for spiritual soil. How many of y'all know there have been prophets in every generation since Adam? You think Adam was a prophet? Come on. More than a prophet. Luke says Adam was the son of God. Wow. Yeah, the Son of God. All the prophetic nature of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ was in Adam. What part of Adam had God's eagle, prophet, nature? The breath. Was it in the dust? Was it in the dirt? Sure, God was in the dust. Sure, God's in the dirt. There's streams of the earth streams of the dust there's streams of all things that god created there's a flow of everything in creation and all these mysteries will be revealed in the coming days but where we come alive is not in the dirt and the dust those are areas of restoration that's part of the restoration of all things called the flesh or the earth bringing forth the new earth it was in the breath of the Almighty. Genesis, God breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul or a living being. So, what is the breath of life? It's the Holy Ghost. Ruach HaKadosh. It's the breath of the Almighty, the breath of holiness, the Holy Spirit. It's God's breath. What is the word of God? It's God's breathed word. Wow, you can see him exhaling. You see that coming out? The cloud of wonders. When he exhales, that's the God-breathed word. When you exhale after you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you have the potential to create with your glory and grace and God-filled words. Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Can you imagine what they felt? They were in heaven instantly. Wow. Where did that wind of heaven come from? Where did the breath of the Almighty came from inside Jesus' flesh? He was the first temple of the Holy Spirit since Adam. That's why he's the second Adam. Inside him was the very breath of life, the Ruach HaKadosh. 
so that when he breathed on people, the Father wasn't up in heaven, 150 trillion light years in space. He was right there inside the lungs of Jesus. It's called the New Covenant. <laughs> you have the New Covenant where the breath of the Almighty is in your entire body. It's in your bloodstream. You know, back in the day, when you smoked a cigarette, when you smoked some weed, it got into your lungs and then it got into your bloodstream. What happens when you breathe the breath of the Almighty, the Ruach HaKadosh, into your lungs and into your bloodstream? You begin to feel on earth or in your earth how it is in heaven. It's called ecstasy. God told me when I started out in the glory in October of 99 that I will get you more high than all the drug addicts. And it was a promise of evangelism of getting our generation high on the glory of God. It's my main calling in life is to get people high in the glory physically, physically, not spiritually. You already had that. You get born again. You have fire insurance. This ain't about fire insurance. This is about transfiguration. Keyword transfiguration. And the word trance is ecstasis in Greek, ecstasy. Greek word ecstasy. Do you understand that half of transfiguration, the very word written in Romans 12:2, says ecstasy, teaching on the ecstasy of God, the trance of God, the metamorphosis of God, how your body catches up with your spirit after you're born again. Jesus Christ said, after you're born again, the entire purpose was to stay connected to the vine and bear fruit and fruit that lasts. And your father is the vine dresser. Why did he use the word vine? Vineyards. Speaks of wine. Speaks of the house of wine. He said one greater than Solomon is here. Which means someone who walks in the greater glory, a greater love. Solomon's glory was the greatest glory that the earth had ever known since the fall. Do you realize that? There had never been a greater glory on planet Earth than Solomon's day. And there still hasn't been since. Remember? Jesus went to the Father. He left Jerusalem to be sacked by Titus of Rome. There was, like, no glory in Jerusalem. It completely went to hell. If you understand history, it's true. So nothing even close to Solomon has happened in Christianity or in the New Covenant. People don't even have a grid for it, really. You realize that Solomon had a net worth of 1.2 trillion with a T? There's not a single trillionaire on the planet right now, and there's not a billionaire even close. You got like 48 billionaires, but there's no one close to being a trillionaire. Solomon was a trillionaire, people. And one greater than Solomon is here? Are we Gnostics and say, oh, that's only spiritual, bro? Man, that thing needs to get cast out of you. That's a demon. <laughs> Jesus came to save the earth. He came to save creation. For God so loved the 
world that he gave his only son, the Greek word cosmos, which means stars, sun, moon, planets, cosmos, world. God so loved the cosmos, world. So he's completely renewing the cosmos and the world, which is the natural dimension. You realize only the natural dimension fell. Wow, because we've had the spirit dimension for thousands of years. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is it not written? Where? In spirit. Now, the whole activity for thousands of years of Holy Ghost Christianity, there's always been a remnant that has walked and obeyed the Holy Spirit in every generation. Even if it was only eight in those days. What do they do? Bring it to earth. Bring it into the flesh. Specifically, into the bones. The curse of the fall went into the bones and the marrow. But Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God separates them. Divides asunder bones from marrow. Soul from spirit, the very breath of life of the soul from your eternal spirit is divided by the word of God, the sword of the spirit, which is God recreating through you, just like he did through Adam, a new earth, a new heavens, and a new world where righteousness dwells. That is the purpose and the meaning of life grow in Christ physically through the bones. We know about bloodlines. Everyone knows about bloodlines. But do you know the blood's produced in the bones? That your bloodlines of all the record of your ancestry, every single mark, jot, tittle, speck, plank, record of everything is held inside the bones, the record of the blood. It's true. So you get Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. You have a record of fallen nations. What's the valley of dry bones? Earth, the whole planet. The whole planet has been a cemetery, hasn't it? Think about it. The whole planet's been a cemetery. The whole planet has been a graveyard, previously called in Psalms 23, the valley of the shadow of death. So we're lifting the planet, we're lifting the cemetery of human bones. Some have breasts, some don't. What's the difference? The spirit inside the bones or the spirit out of the bones, present with God, already judged in an eternal locker. Some go up, some go down, according to what their spirit did inside the bones. Where did you move your bones around the earth when you were here? What did you do with your bones while you were here? If the rocks remember, according to Joshua, guess what your bones remember too? The bones are listening. The bones have ears. And the bones can be transformed by the word of God, Hebrews 4.12. I always thought when I was less mature in Christ, that that was some bad thing, some judgment thing upon the flesh. I never realized until just the last few years that the word of God working in the bones and marrow is actually the overcoming of death and the moving 
of all the cemetery of the earth's nations on planet earth from Ezekiel 37 into the river of life in Ezekiel 47. Ten chapters. <laughs> Which is like your ten fingers. The fullness of man's power. The fullness of man's ability is Ezekiel 37. The fullness of God's ability, the fullness of God's power, Ezekiel 47. So we're going from the priesthood of the cemetery to the priesthood of the water temple in just 10 chapters, 37 to 47 of the book of Ezekiel. So since we've been in the river and Jesus Christ came to give us the river to move the nation's bones into the river and have the river like an elevator take the dry bones make them wet bones and bring the bones into the tabernacle of david the temple of the lord the new jerusalem the water throne of god the father and the water throne of jesus christ river of life revelation 22. what that does is completely glorify your bones do you realize we did not have a new covenant priesthood of Melchizedek until Jesus brought his bones to the altar of God the Father? See, all this bone stuff's weird. Why do you think Satan wrestled with Archangel Michael over the bones of Moses? He wanted the altar of the old covenant people. He wanted control and power of what Moses brought called the Old Covenant, the law. Didn't get it. He didn't even get the power of the law. He's been a thief ever since. Just pretending, faking it, phony, religious, fallen angels everywhere. Bind them all in chains, execute the judgment written, bam, through all flesh. Archangels protecting the Old Covenant altar of those bones. Archangels protecting the new covenant of our Lord Jesus Christ's bones, as it is written, not one of his bones shall be broken. Perfect covenant. Wow. You think Moses broke a bone? Yeah. An imperfect covenant, an imperfect high priest. Now we have a perfect covenant and a perfect high priest physically through the bones of Jesus Christ. The very access to the altar before your heavenly father's throne is only because his bones ascended into the cloud. Otherwise, you'd have no new covenant, no priesthood of Melchizedek. You'd have no power in the heavens. You'd have no power over death. But we have power in the heavens. Jesus ascended into the heavens and filled the universe with his spirit. Colossians says. Filled the heavens with his spirit. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Glory. You want to share something? Yeah. It's so funny, like, some of the stuff that you've been mentioning today is, like, what we've been talking about in the other house, even just, like, last night and what God's been speaking. It's just so amazing. Um, God always confirming his word. 
and really just highlighting how all these things work for our good. He was talking about like the seed and the word and the multiplication. And I was seeing that word going into your bones and multiplying. And the amazing thing is that all things work for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. All things. All things. And this verse came on this morning when I was getting ready. And it said, above all, you must understand (laughs) that in the last days, mockers will multiply. (laughs) And it hit me so hard, I started laughing because the living word of God brought that to life and showed us that even your mockers will multiply you. Everything that the enemy intends for harm through the mocking will only multiply your seed and what you've sown into the earth. They're just carrying it along like birds eating seed. just fall it falls from them in in basically in shit form but it plants (laughs) and there and God uses all of that for his good and his glory even as they chase after their evil desires all that works for the good of those who love him or call the glory his purpose and I was also seeing the multiplication of the word of God in your bones as you're sowing the word into the bones
living creatures and cherubim, and this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Wow. But each one had four faces, and each one had four wings. And their legs were—their legs were like straight legs, and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. And they had the hands of a man under their wings on the four sides. And the four of them had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. They turned not when they went, but every one went straight forward. And as for the likeness of their faces, they each had the face of a man in front. And each had the face of a lion on the right side and the face of an ox on the left side. The four also had the face of an eagle at the back of their heads, such were their faces. And their wings were stretched out upward. Each creature had four wings, two wings, and each were touching the adjacent wing of the creatures on either side of it. And the remaining two wings of each creature covered its body. And they went every one straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went. And they turned not when they went. In the midst of the living creatures, there was what looked like burning coals of fire like torches, moving to and fro among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures darted back and forth like a flash of lightning. Now as I was still looking at the living creatures, I saw wheel, I saw one wheel upon the ground beside each of the living creatures with its four faces. As to the appearance of the wheels and their construction, in appearance they gleamed like chrysolite, and the four were formed alike in their construction work, or as it were a wheel and a wheel. When they went, they went in, one of their four directions without turning. As for the rims, they were so high that they were dreadful, and the four had their rims full of eyes on about. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. about the fifth day and the fowl multiplying in the air. Why? There's meaning to everything the Father does. First in the physical, first in the natural, then in the invisible, then in the spiritual, it is written. So physical birds fill the air. And then invisible birds fill the air called angels. Yeah. Birds also represents angels symbolically in the language of wisdom in the scriptures. So you'd have a natural anchor for the soul to begin to embrace and grow into the supernatural. That's God's infinite wisdom. Like the dove. Spirit descends in the form of the dove. Holy Spirit's not a dove. He's God. I mean, he's greater than all the stars in the heavens put together. Holy Ghost. Why symbolize the divine nature in animals? Birds, lions, ox. 
represented by man's flesh in his humility nature. It's for your redemption only, not for God. Jesus said, these things aren't even for me because he's God. He says, these things are for you. The symbolism, the parables, the wisdom, all the things in creation were created for man. The only part that was for God was his fellowship with you. But everything that's here, the waters, the clouds, the trees, even the soil that produces fruit and drink and fruit-bearing trees to drink delicious orange juice and make delicious coffee from coffee beans. Every single detail in this world was for man. The world wasn't for God, it was for man. God, Jesus said, these things are for you. He said it. These things aren't for me. The part, what's for me, is intimacy with your souls, the inheritance of the bridegroom king. All God wants is for his glorious creation to have intimate fellowship with him in spirit. That's it. That the whole redemption of the fall is that your heart, soul, mind, and strength would be bound in intimate marriage union. People think marriage and then they think husband and wife and they go all natural. So Jesus had to flip it up on them and he said there'd be no more giving and taking in marriage. It'd be, it'd be like the angels. And people are like, oh, so we stop having sex. Now we're like the angels. No, it's actually living out of your inner man instead of your outer man. A time is coming and is now here that giving and taking of marriage of the outer man you realize 99% of marriages have been outer man marriages? Half of you have, have outer man marriages when you've been married. And you've never even known each other's inner man because you've been unequally yoked. You realize you can only be married in spirit and truth. Otherwise, you're not married in heaven or before God. It's just some earthly legalism. You are never married. Because in order to be married or like the angels without the giving and taking in marriage, there has to be the inner man union. That's what angels have. That is a bond of fellowship and a bond of intimacy. Literally the true marriage that all external marriage symbolizes that is thousands and millions of times more powerful and intimate you could ever imagine with the symbolism of giving and taking in marriage. Some of you already been in that inner man marriage and just your brain hasn't caught up yet. <laughs> it's not confusing stuff. What's confusing is coming out of the fall, which is the types and shadows of religion. That's why people are so confused. As it is written, let those who are married live as though they are not. Paul. Why? Because the days are short. Because we need to live out of the inner man. He's saying, stop living an external life. Start living an eternal life out of your inner man like the angels right now. Live as though you are not married, Paul said. Do you know the verse? 
Google it. <laughs> Let those that are married live as though they are not married. Why? Because the time to be like the angels is at hand. My spouse doesn't want to come with me. Why do you think two of you sleeping in the bed, one take and one remain? <laughs> right? You know the verse? There'll be two in bed, married, but not in spirit, not in like the angels. One's a outer man marriage, one's an inner man marriage. So which one is taken? of Noah. Which one was taken? The wicked were taken. The outer man was taken. And those who had a clean inner man, Noah, preacher of righteousness. Righteousness, righteousness means divine spirituality. The father's spirituality. So Noah was a preacher of the father's divine spirituality from his inner man. And he cleansed the world of the corrupted outer man and they said about that day they were giving and taking in marriage the simplicity of the spirit of wisdom and understanding of that verse is simply living as brute beasts with the brain and consciousness connected to the outer man with a completely dead inner man which is a 666 mark of a beast you know anyone that lives with their mind attached to their outer garment, which is called dead? If we're honest, most of us, most of us, to a degree. So the renewing of the mind is reattaching the brain. Metamorphosis is for the brain only, Romans 12, 2. For the brain, to reattach the brain by revelations of divine light and love to the spirit, to your 21 gram eternal man. You can do it. We will prepare a feast for the inner man. It's called the marriage supper of the lamb. What? What is it? It's everyone's inner man feasting on truth, living like angels. Luke chapter 20. They are the angel-like sons and daughters of God, the children of resurrection power because they've lived inwardly. What did the two prodigals have to do in Luke 15? One was an external religious sorcerer. The other was an external rebellious sorcerer. Both of them got involved in the black and white magic arts of the fallen angels. One in the pig trough, one in the wheat field pretending to be a Christian but was a total anti-Christ Pharisee. The older one was twice as evil as the younger one. There's not one prodigal son, there's two prodigal sons. And you are either the older or the younger, but you're all prodigals. You might not have ever smoked crack or banged heroin, but you were religious. Anyone who says they're without sin makes God to be a liar. <laughs> You were prideful, like the pride of Satan, about something you think you're good. That nature is the outer man. It's that nature that gives and takes in, in marriage, that lives in the facade of the grave clothes of the earth, where the brain is controlled by the clay instead of the brain controlled by the sweet new wine inside the clay cup. See, 
since the liquid of God's spirit has to control the brain, it's a very intense process of ministry of the Holy Ghost that gets your brain off the clay and on the wine. Because you are a jar of clay, scripture says. The issue is if the brain is controlled by the clay, you're submitted to the fallen angels. If the, br if the brain is submitted to the wine that makes the clay valuable, what's the whole purpose of having a cup so you can drink its contents? But practicing externalism is having the cup more valuable than the contents of the best wine for last, which is a full understanding of God's Holy Spirit that completely saves the whole vessel, spirit, soul, mind, and flesh. Oh, yeah. God is progressively saving you by revelations of the Holy Spirit so your brain values the contents of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. What's all truth? Eternal life, overcoming death. In the whole clay vessel, the whole clay pot. Clay in the potter's hands. What is that? Humanity's flesh and bones and blood in the hands of Almighty God. He's working with a lump of clay. The clay is very unresponsive. You have to knead it. You have to spin it. You have to work water into it. He's working all his elements of glory into you on the potter's wheel, planet Earth. It's going to change your bones, your blood, your eyes, your mind, your thoughts, your hearts. Every aspect of your vision will change as you spin on the potter's wheel. You're spinning already. It's called upward circular motion rising on the wings of eagles. Glory to glory, rising ever brighter, shining ever brighter, to the full dawn of day, which is spinning your body, your flesh, your bones, your blood, your heart around, your organs around, until the spirit takes predominance over the clay pot. That's actually the overcoming of Satan of Revelation chapter 12. All you gotta do to overcome the devil is value your spirit. Know Christ in your spirit, which is called knowing God face to face. Matthew chapter 5. The pure in heart see God. Do you see God? What do you think the wine filling the clay vessel is? It's God. Do you see the wine? Do you see the oil? Do you see the fire? Do you see the river? Do you feel it? Starts with feeling. You realize they're feeling the Holy Ghost. The churches of Asia Minor, Revelation 2 and 3. They're in the gifts of the Spirit. They're in the glory of God. They're the seven golden lampstands, and they're on fire. <laughs> Those seven blazing torches are still working with its own superhuman energy and inherent power throughout all the world to this very day, from 2,000 years ago. When John wrote Revelation. And the golden lampstand felt the fire, felt the oil, but there was still a deeper purging. That purging has continued inside hearts and minds 
and has been an ever-increasing flame inside the spirit life of the believers. Listen, this is passed on believer to believer. All the wisdom is all the fire that's on planet Earth right now. Jesus Christ said, I have come to bring fire, and oh, how I wish it was already kindled. So it's kindled in his apostles, meaning the fire began inside the human spirit. Snap, crackle, pop, breaking off evil spirit, breaking off curses, breaking off religion, rebellion, all of it working in man's 21 eternal grams to this very day until the human spirit is perfected. And guess what? That's called the marriage supper of the Lamb, people, where the brain is completely controlled by the eternal spirit. Who knows the spirit that God has placed in them? Who has seen themselves in the eyes of their maker? Who has known Yahweh? Who has known the glory of God? He who has awakened to his inner man and who lives from the fire enkindled in his spirit. Your spirit is the image bearing of Yahweh, God the Father. See, flesh doesn't bear the image. No, flesh bears the image of the animals. Oh, it's true. How dare you? It's true. Days of Noah, buddy. Now it's time to bear the image of God, who is spirit. Amen. We are not going to bear the image of chimpanzees and gorillas. We are not going to bear the image of animals. That's what we're coming out of in this generation. God has shown me visions of the animal images that I bore on my face before I was saved. He'll show you too. Some of you are still bearing the images of animals. Remember Egypt? Alligator man? They got all the animal faces. Why? Because the very curse of the fall is bearing the image of creation instead of the creator. Romans chapter 1. And how do you get the image of God the Father's glory back onto your face? Through your spirit. You don't just put it right into the eyes. You don't put it right into the face. It'll be a fading glory. That was the old covenant. You realize they, in the old covenant, they had the external glory. In the old covenant, they had the external anointing. Angels had to ascend and descend upon believers and followers of Jesus, the angel of the Lord, the Old Testament, and keep anointing them externally. Angels work in overtime, old covenant, in that external glory, that external fading glory, but there was still a veil. Because it didn't come through the eternal spirit. The new covenant is that same glory, because it's the same glory of the old covenant as it is in the new covenant. The difference is now it's through man's spirit and not on the outside of man's flesh. And only through your spirit does it come up from the inside and get on the outside of your flesh. So the most deceptive thing is when it comes through man's spirit, people practicing an old covenant external glory, external anointing, and they never knew him in their own spirit. They are practicing religion and stealing oil like the foolish virgins who were still old covenant Christians and never even began in the new covenant. 
which is producing the glory of God in your inner man, your spirit. That's what Jesus meant when he said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. You are outer man Christians with signs, miracles, and wonders, and not inner man Christians. Martha's performing ministries, and those ministries are all over the charismatic church, people. It's true. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for Mary. Mary of Bethany Ministries, all we got to do is keep producing more oil. You know, the angels will get empowered by that oil. That oil will empower nations to be saved in a day. See, Martha was the foolish virgin, thinking that she was helping Jesus by works with her own effort. And then she gets frustrated. Why don't you tell my sister to help me? Mary has chosen the better portion, and it shall not be taken from her. Meaning she has begun to serve me in the new covenant inside her very spirit, pouring out the ointment of her spirit, breaking the alabaster box of not just the external, but also the internal, because it was a heart sacrifice. She broke her very eternal spirit upon the head of the Lord Jesus and poured out the precious contents of her very soul. And of course, when you do that, it will come with all your natural realm as well, because there's no hypocrisy in true heart sacrifice. Martha didn't have any sacrifice. Martha didn't give him anything. <laughs> she was still doing it for herself to be seen by others and then got frustrated when she didn't get rewarded for what she thought was serving God. That's Old Covenant versus New Covenant. Martha represents the Old Covenant. Mary represents the New Covenant. So all ministry is to get you out of Martha, because sadly, after you're born again, almost all of you go into Martha, Martha syndrome. We all get tempted by that performance-based, you know, you're good by what you know instead of who you know. What a bunch of demons. Your value is in, not in your works. Your value is in God living inside your heart. So you're all equally valuable. They'll all use you all differently. But the value is because the contents of God himself indwelling inside your flesh makes you his sons and daughters. He'll leave the 99 to go after the one. <laughs> Look at how he treated the prodigals perfectly. They're all valuable. Why? Because every soul, which is every container of flesh, has the ability to be possessed by God's love, which is God's spirit. Your value as a jar of clay is because you can hold the very contents of the creator inside you without measure, and it will overflow onto others. The issue is to not let the enemy tell you that's you. Pride. When you start to get used by God, you start to get a little anointing, you start to think you're something special, you need to more than ever guard your heart against the fallen angel's pride because when you start operating the gifts, that's when the real 
temptations begin. You're a gifted minister. You are a, you have a high calling. Listen, that, if you can just say, Jesus has a high calling. Jesus is the gifted minister. He is the oil. He's the one that lifts you up. That I am always a jar of clay. And that I am dependent on the oil. Just like the widow and Elijah. Every day, the contents were refilled with more anointing, more oil, more bread. Kept refilling you. That is the normal Christian life, is watching the Holy Spirit supernaturally come forth with fresh oil inside your spirit, through your heart, through your eyes. Oil will start flowing out your eyes. Oil will come out your forehead, out your ears. All your senses start to flow in the golden oil. Zechariah calls them the sons of golden oil. The oil of bliss, it says in the Moffat translation. <laughs> Which is a seven-spouted menorah of unlimited anointing for everyone who can practice Mary ministries. Christianity is Mary company. Now, we got some older brothers out there in Martha Company. Sadly, the truth is, that's not Christianity at all. That's paganism. That's pretending. That's striving in efforts. That's memorizing the Bible in the brain, but not the spirit. <laughs> and their eyes, their eyes are all black. I mean, you'd be surprised what we deal with in ministry, you guys people that know the Bible but don't know the Holy Spirit who inspired the prophets to write it. <laughs> Just about everywhere in the world. And the people that know the Spirit that wrote the Bible, we still grow in humility every day for the Word to be made more flesh. Because the thing about this path, the narrow path, it's endless. The wide path has a level of destruction. That's why people burn out. That's why people tap out and they give up and they quit ministry. You know the statistics of pastors that quit ministry? It is astonishing the high percentage of those who go into full-time ministry that quit within just a couple years. It's the majority, people. It's actually rare to sustain yourself in ministry. Even the greatest charismatic ministers, you know, a lot of them, I've taken years off. <laughs> years off. It's true. You don't see them anymore. Other associates take over and start running their church. Where did they go? Sabbatical, buddy. Six months, 12 months sabbatical. Definite sabbatical. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. What I'm saying, though, is that really is part of the wide path. Where you just can't go any further with God and you just hand the baton over to someone else because you cannot see your capabilities rising any higher by the precious contents of the alabaster box. So in order to perfect our leadership, which is what this whole message is about tonight, it goes beyond you. Going beyond you into areas where you are more dependent on his oil to supernaturally appear like the widow's jar every day. 
<laughs> I know my God has anointed my head with fresh oil each morning so that I am faithful with today's measure of oil. And I sow this oil and I give this oil to the prophet Elijah and I give this oil to my son and my children and I give this oil to my people that God will multiply the oil inside my spirit and he will grow us up to be olive trees of the anointing oil which is trees of life in the garden of the earth and the earth is your jars of clay <laughs> it's all about the oil mm. <laughs> I wanted to say this to you first and people who are I can hear some thoughts it's like oh my gosh am I being a Martha how are you Mary and you're just like oh my gosh you know that whirlwind of like oh no <laughs> The whole like Martha thing, because it's not what you think. It's not a lot of times what people think it is. Like Martha is actually really lazy. Spiritually, the Martha thing is really lazy. It's like not taking responsibility, not obeying the word of God, not hearing what he's wanting you to do. And I was literally just thinking about the widow who was just talking about pouring out the oil and making that bread for the prophet. She had to get up in faith and use what looked like the last of her stuff. And she had to get up and do it. She had to work to make that bread for him. She wasn't just passively there waiting for something magical to happen, being spiritually lazy. She had to get up and do the work. Martha is really lazy. It's actually the easy way out to go and do works. Anyone can just go and do works. The spiritually responsible thing to do is to get up and do what God asks you to do. It's the easy way out to just take it easy and just do whatever we feel like in our natural external man like doing and just put a Christian label on it and call that that's what God wants. Because look, oh here and I got a scripture for it right there and there and there. What's the vision God has given you personally? What did he ask you to sacrifice your time, your money, your efforts? It's about doing what God asked you to do. It's not about whether I'm sitting down or standing up. It's what did the Lord ask you to do? He didn't ask you to go do those things. That's the problem. But it's spiritually being lazy, physically being lazy, and not getting up and doing what God has asked of you. Has he asked you? You know, some people watching, maybe he asked you to write a book. What does that take? That means you need to stop sitting around and soaking and get and start researching, how do I write a book? Putting together, okay, what does he want you to write it about? Maybe he asks you to start up some kind of a charity. Maybe he's asked you to give financial provisions. Maybe he's asked you to walk in the excellence of business. So get up and watch, you know, YouTube uh, videos. They have all kinds of information. Network with people uh, that God has put in your life. He puts people in your life. And if you just call that, oh, that's just natural, then you'll miss out on the opportunity to get impartation of their wisdom in business. Physical, natural things that take work and effort. And spiritually lazy Christians call that being a Martha. That's being a Mary and being faithful. You sit at the feet of Jesus in your quiet time and you get that oil from him, but then you go and you sow it. Maybe God's asked you to sow your wisdom. Maybe you spent years working on perfecting you worked as if you worked for the Lord on technical things or graphics, and you spent years honing that skill or developing your service or your hospitality to the point where you're an expert in your field now. Maybe he's asked you to disciple someone who's younger, younger in faith, or 
you know, whatever that is. That's being a Mary. He told you to do that. And out of your intimacy with him, he's asking you to go up and do a natural thing. And religion, the religious demon, calls that not being spiritual. It's unspiritual. No, that's the most spiritual thing you could possibly do is obeying what God has asked you to physically get up off your ass and do it. You know, soaking is great. Prayer time and meetings and broadcasts. We do all these things. But what's that thing that keeps coming up in the natural realm that God is asking you to get up and do? Research hard work and he makes it easy and light because if it's in the flow of his anointing if he's anointed you to do it it'll flow like a river you just get past that hurdle that hump of getting over yourself and not being lazy and you just do it get up and do it and you'll be so surprised the doors that it opens for you the people and places it'll bring you to minister to so the, the most amazing training i ever got from the lord was working physical labor jobs and it opened up for ministry to immigrants far beyond what I actually had the ability to do anything that I'd received spiritually wasn't even baptized in the Holy Spirit no training whatsoever in healing or deliverance I didn't even pray in tongues like but because of the obedience and the physical hard labor that I sacrificed my own comfort to go and work hard with them it opened up the door for healing casting out demons we had miraculous babies of barren wombs being healed and open. And the whole and, and a whole team that was divided came together in unity, working together as a team. So that and people turning from witchcraft to Christianity and experiencing Jesus. In the word of God, just by obeying what he said to do in the natural realm through hard work and sacrificing my time and energy. I just want to release that to you guys. There's seasons he'll have you calm down and chill out. But if he's asking you to get up and do something this season, I want you guys to really carefully consider that and hear what the Lord is saying to you today. Yeah, very important. A lot of over-soaking going on in Red Letter Ministries the last few years. And it really needs to be addressed because soaking is only after you've been used in working. Soaking is only after you've been in war that you need a medic and a nurse to heal your wounds because you've actually been doing something to advance the kingdom in the natural realm. To soak and to not advance the kingdom is total laziness. It's total immaturity. So you actually only should soak if you're, if you're doing anything for God. If there's any productivity in the vineyards of God. Otherwise, what are you soaking for? There's, you're not doing anything. There's no reason for it. Get a job. Do something. Go out there in the marketplace. Get around the people. And then when there's actually vineyard work in the hard soil, Isaiah called it the threshing sledge with teeth. You call, you call your work as a prophet the threshing sledge of teeth? My God, that's like all the farms of America combined in one prophetic ministry. We need to be threshing sledges of teeth, and teeth represent the understanding of our Heavenly Father. To plow through hard ground hearts, to go out and work and interact with people's souls 
For the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. How do you win souls? You put your seed, your threshing sledge with teeth through their hearts, through their souls, through their bones and marrow, and you get into their physical life with the kingdom of heaven. And only after you've done that a while do you even need to soak. Because I mean, it's very important, you know. I'll tell you the truth, when I started out in full-time ministry in 2006, God had me soak eight hours a day and then release into the streets, shot at, stabbed at, carjacked twice for 18 months, pouring out. But there was no reason to soak. I'd never soak unless I would go out there on the streets, go into the satanic coffee shops, go into the heroin dens, going into the all the most darkest places of Satan's strongholds in the Twin Cities, day after day, seven days a week, for months before God released me on a different assignment. Because your food to spiritually grow is called obedience. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of my Father in heaven. He was growing by doing God's will. What was God's will? That he went city to city preaching the gospel. Walking hundreds of miles through all the towns of Israel for three years. Physically going places, physically speaking, eating, drinking, and releasing the words of God the Father into their hearts. And that's how he grew, because that's what God the Father prepared for him to do. Now, God the Father has prepared works for you to do, Psalms 139. He has written them in his book before you even stepped on the planet. Do you even know why you're here? If you're lost and confused, and you're just soaking all the time, and you have no identity for God's will for your life, it's time for him to unveil your scroll. Why am I here? Where is my job on earth as it is in heaven? <laughs> Amen. And you can guarantee it's going to involve others. Because anyone that communicates with God has the word of God that is to multiply a sower so seed. You can't ever reap unless you sow. What have you been sowing lately? Every action, every energy burning through your bones, every energy released from the battery of your beating, bloody heart is sowing something. You're sowing electricity. You're sowing energy. You're sowing the will of self or the will of God with every action under the sun. And so Jesus said, that to actually grow, you had to do the will, the action of God. The action of God. It's really important. You get out of the soaking and you go do something with it. It's really immature. Did you know that everyone in heaven has a job? J-O-B job. Everyone in heaven has an actual job. They go to work. And they do their job every day. Every single one of them. Every angel... Every saint in heaven has a job. Whatever that job is, is actually the gift they were given from the Father. 
so whatever that gift is that God gave you, those saints in heaven that worked in as much excellence and they sowed into the natural realm, in heaven they're reaping part of their reward is they're rewarded for that excellence. Like a lot of people in heaven want to come see what they developed during their time in the natural dimension in excellence. Those are really popular places in heaven, actually, for people to go visit. And it's, you know, that's not, there's no currency there. That, I mean, there's a different kind of divine currency that's not for today's uh, talk, but they go there to experience what was developed in their natural man that they actually did take with them to heaven. And it's, 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 it's recognized and it's highly valued. And let this seal this word into your spirit from Hebrews chapter 11. The champions of faith written in Hebrews chapter 11 were only considered champions by what is written of their natural exploits. You read that? That's why James says faith without works is dead, which means soaking without doing anything with it is dead. Drinking and getting drunk without any works is dead. The greatness of the champions of faith is they took the wine, they took the oil, and they did great exploits in the realm of the natural. Created a television channel that reaches 50 million in 30 days. Stuff like that as examples. Planted three different TV studios in Minneapolis for daily broadcasting of Throne Room Glory. Natural exploits in the natural dimension is the only thing that makes you great. Angels won't even accompany you if you're only working in the spirit. Because your spirit can do that. You don't even need angels. You'll never confront a demon. You'll never have warfare. You just soak and live in some peaceful place and you'll never advance the kingdom and you'll never be great in the kingdom. It's by advancing your spirit through the natural realm that makes you champions. Otherwise, you wouldn't be more than conquerors. You'd be more than soakers. Not what's written. It's about conquering the realm of the natural with the anointing God's given you for his orchestrated good work. Before the Lord brought me into any seasons of a lot of soaking, he had me work for years, almost a decade, in the industries, literally dealing physically with the human human feces, vomit, half-eaten plates of food, uh, all kinds of you know pubic hairs and blood, nastiness, all the foul stench of the human beings in cleanliness in the hospitality industry for years of working in the dirt and the dust and the lint and the dirty linens and all, all the most disgusting, you know, I, you know, I, <laughs> this is so funny. I'm going to share this with you guys. I literally had met some people's feces before I saw their faces. <laughs> feces <laughs> before faces. That's the work of an apostle. <laughs> we knew, I knew their shit before I saw their face. <laughs> When I'd have housekeepers calling me saying, Rebecca, I said, need you here. I think if someone has died inside the room today. The dung gate. <laughs> a lot of humility. I walked into that room. I was like, dear God, I'm on the elevator on my way up. Please don't let it be someone dead on my watch. I'm the manager on duty. And I uh, go in there, you know, he might have wished he was dead, but he was not dead. Thank God. But it's just, 
years of hard labor and serving people, learning how to take care of others. Before he ever had any seasons of soaking, and he brought me into learning meditation to help me deal with working 10, 12, and 14 hours with three to four hours of sleep for extended uh, periods of time by grace. And he gave me that grace. So that's why I have so many teachings on stillness and soaking, because without that, I, my physical body would not have been able to keep up with the load. And we learn these things. And a lot of us, when we encounter the glory of God, just want to sit in an oasis in a glory spa for months and sometimes years. And you'd be surprised how much the Father allows that. There comes a time that you get out of the jacuzzi, though, and you go to work. You get all healed up. Been laboring for the Lord for years until we encountered the new wine. And we enter the rest, and we're like, oh my gosh, there's still stuff to do in the rest? Noah planted a vineyard and drank from it. Hello? You realize vineyards of glory will be tended by you and God and the angels in the garden of your heart, doing spiritual works and natural works forever. So the rest doesn't mean you stop your labors. The rest doesn't mean you stop working. That's total mental illness. The rest and the eternal promised land of God means that your spirit is now working. <laughs> not by the sweat of your brow, not by the curse of the land, not by back-breaking fallen angel oppression, mud bricks under taskmaster Egyptian hell. <laughs> Egypt, you're not in Egypt. You're in Zion. It's a new system. It's a new understanding. That's why there's tons of grace for everyone to get it because we're all coming out of Egypt mentality into Zion mentality. The mind of Satan works mentality to the mind of Christ, promised land, rainbow, living water mentality. And few are there, so people don't have a grid for it, so you have to constantly be washed by the mind of Christ, by the rainbow light of Christ, the seven spirits of God in your brain, in your heart, in your blood, in your bones, in your bowels, in your organs, every cell, every element, every molecule, every minute, second, every day, and being constantly renewed by Jesus Christ to live in the heavenly glory. And it's such a shock to the system that we think still in the old Egyptian terms. Like the Israelites who died in the wilderness that couldn't get the Egypt out of them. They couldn't get the thought patterns of the demons out of their souls. They rejected being renewed in their mind, didn't they? They rejected metamorphosis. They rejected changing their evil minds, their Egyptian minds. Their physical bodies were brought out of Egypt. Their brains were still connected to Pharaoh's throne. That's why they died. Just because you're born again doesn't mean your brain's not so connected to Satan. Few have been circumcised of mind. Few, very few Christians, even very few Holy Spirit Christians, are actually circumcised of brain, disconnected from the devil's throne after they're born again. Got fire insurance. Saved here a little. Saved here, not so much. So all the works of the ministry of the fivefold of the river of life, the five smooth stones in Jesus Christ's pouch, 
hardware to be released into Goliath's forehead. The carnal mind must be slain. When he chopped his head off, didn't he? He took the mind of Satan, the madness of the fallen angel pride, away from his nation and established a kingdom of everlasting <laughs> peace. For the throne of David shall remain forever, it is written. The tabernacle of David is the coming forth of the mind of Christ, of those whose brains are circumcised from the world and live in Zion. Zion's not the temple mount in Israel. That's religion. Zion is the glory realm of the throne of God the Father, the mother of pearl. And having your brain no longer connected to Satan, but having your brain connected to God the Father in Zion is how you begin to move and have your being and do the promised land works, which are what? Becoming gardeners. Can you be a gardener and own a multi-million dollar corporation? Many. I mean, that would be so common. You won't be able to throw a stone and hit a gardener who's multi-millionaire in the days to come. <laughs> Many of you have that calling, and you just think, ministry, ministry, what do I do? Do I just, You have to get your brain connected to God's throne because we are mentally ill and sick when our brains are controlled by anything else except the Father's throne. The brain was never meant to be connected to the fallen angels. You see, every mental institute in the USA is filled to capacity. Do you know it? Every mental hospital in America is filled. There's waiting lists in, in Minnesota. There's waiting lists in every state. Maximum capacity mental illness, and it's all because of religion. All because of religion. Because the brain is still connected to Satan after you're born again. You must connect your brain to the throne of the Father. Otherwise, otherwise your life will be harder after you're born again than before you're born again. Because you're trying to do it with your brain connected to Satan, which is the self-nature. And demons beating the hell out of you every day. And we wonder why we cry. And it's like, if you would only connect your brain by eating revelation truth that would circumcise your mind and connect your brain to God's Holy Spirit throne. Your life would be so easy, so light. Since it's a different world, most people can't make that crossover. Most people in Christianity just die in the wilderness. The majority. We need to so teach and preach the promised land that we can bring all Christianity out of the wilderness in this generation for promised land Christianity. That's our calling. That is Red Letter Ministries calling. That's this tribe's calling. That's this generation's destiny to wash away the wilderness forever. The people can say, I was born in Zion, which means I was born in the mind of Christ. I was born in the emerald rainbow throne. I was raised in the glorious freedom of the archangels. I am with the cherubim and the seraphim from birth to the present moment, and my entire nature and personality is based on the angels and not the animals. We are from above and not below. In Jesus' name. Get wired into the Father. You say the wires aren't, you know, the mental illness. I was just hearing, you know, the wires aren't connected properly. The, you've heard the term, they got a screw loose. 
the wiring and the screws in there. And uh, I wanted to share with you guys this uh, home improvement snippet from an article on uh, this wiring that the Holy Spirit was reading to me last night. Because it's speaking about the uh, Tiferet. You look at the tree of life, one of the ones that's kind of in the middle towards the bottom. It's a metaphor for the sun, the center of our solar system of light. The bridal chamber, spring kinds of bloom, of passion in the tree of life. And the Tiferet, it actually represents a crossing over and a reverse of polarity. So I want to read you guys this home improvement article on how to fix how to fix reverse polarity receptacles, aka your brain. Okay. So you just purchased your new home. Oh, I'm shaking. You just purchased your new home and you think everything is great when all of a sudden the electrical inspector calls to let you know that he forgot to tell you earlier that your electrical outlets have reverse polarity. Oh no. What are you going to do? That's when you stop and think to yourself, what is reverse polarity anyway? All reverse polarity means is that someone connected the wires on one or more of your receptacles incorrectly. Probably a colorblind electrician. Yes, they are out there. Anyway, here is how to fix reverse polarity receptacles safely and easily. Check all of your home's receptacles to see how many of them the colorblind electrician wired. You can do this by using a plug-in type voltage tester. On the tester, there will be a chart that will tell you which lights should illuminate when you plug it into a properly wired outlet and what each other light combination indicates, aka the word of God. Simply remove the white and black wires and connect them to their properly intended sides of the receptacle. To wire it properly, the black gets connected to the dark or copper colored screw and the white wire gets connected to the silver screw. There's a copper wash basin here somewhere. There's a silver line wisdom here somewhere. We just disconnect those white and black wires and Maybe if you know an electrician, maybe your friends at Red Letter Ministries who are not colorblind to the seven colors of the Holy Spirit. And let Jesus inside you be the electrician by his Holy Spirit and full color vision to rewire your brain from the damage of religion, of rebellion, of all the black and white magic and witchcraft. So allow him to change the way you think. He's the best electrician ever. He's great at everything. So let him and his angels minister to your brains right now. For that reverse polarity through the tree of life, the Tiferet bloom within you. And open up that Stargate portal for the Son of Righteousness to rise with healing in his wings. With his electrician toolkit, rewire your mind 
have a new thought, a new life, and become fully a new creation. Amen. Rebecca, I want you to take up an offering for Red Letter Ministries and for all the families that, that work, for all the viewers and for the cities and the nations that benefit from all the ministers in this ministry. Maybe just share a little bit about finances and, and the ministry's needs Oh yeah. this opportunity to give. Oh my goodness, yeah, thank you. First, I want to thank everyone who gave uh, for our fundraiser for Cleaning the Love Shack. We just got in our supplies yesterday. Uh, we've got our um, before pictures and we've got the work started today. And I'm so excited for you guys to see what your generosity is literally changing lives. Just the little things like that, like proper cleaning supplies. Uh, just you, like things like when it comes down to just a little thing like having organizers for your drawers, for your kitchen utensils, your forks, having plates and forks and knives, like just the no normal things that we're all accustomed to having. These people have literally given up everything to come and do the work that God has sent them to do. But because the work of the priesthood is so neglected, our people really, it's so shocking when you come to see how little everyone in the, in the tribe is really functioning amazingly with how little has been given. So I just want to thank you and bless those who have been giving, those who have given. Um, bless you the grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit and let it all come back to you a hundred and a thousand times over in Jesus name and I want to share with you guys too the understanding in building the temple and building the palace and building the kingdom what it looked like in Solomon's days was the temple of the Lord the palace of the king and the kingdom as a whole. And there was wealth everywhere. That's the vision. In the internal realm, what's happening in the cup of the new covenant is the temple clean and full of spiritual wealth. That's you, each one of you individually. Healed, healthy, abundant in spirit, in your soul, in your internal man, the temple. Then there's the palace. That's the leadership and that's also in the kingdom, all the homes. Silver, gold, gemstones, abundance for the whole kingdom. He said the silver was so common. It's, so whatever your rank in the kingdom, wherever you're at in your growth and your maturity or not, it's something I want you to understand and have revelation on. It's not about some false pros prosperity gospel and how is it going to be any different. And people, The reason people don't think it's any different in their minds with Red Lighter Ministries is They've been scarred by the past. If you trust God, can you trust God that he chose his apostles, that he chose his ministers, that he chose his team? Because if, if we really trust God to choose leaders, and we really trust that his word is true, that we've been blessed by giving financial offerings, why don't we trust? Because of the past churches. Because you couldn't trust them. Because you were hurt, deceived, got more demonized and more heart wounds than when you started. Doubly cursed. Why? Because that was actually Church of Jezebel serving Satan with false works and calling it Christianity. Like we talked about earlier that Martha's spirit, that Jezebel's spirit, 
But if we really decided to agree with the truth of what God is saying, that this is his chosen ministry and these are his chosen apostles doing the works of God, if we really believe that in our hearts, then we would act on the word. But that's the thing is if you come into agreement with what God's saying, that would mean that we're admitting that we actually serve Satan in his churches all the rest of our lives. And we want to hold on to the nice thought that we think that all that stuff we did in the past and called it Christianity. In reality, you and I, you watching this right now, and I, we actually serve Satan most of our lives. Even though there was some, there was a desire in our hearts to serve God and seek Him, and we did to some extent seek Him. We wasted those years on Satan's kingdom. That's a hard pill to swallow, but that's the truth, and we have to get over that and past that, because God's going to restore all the time that the kingdom has eaten and stolen. All those false works of that church. So when you sow, when we sowed into those, we didn't get return on it. Why? Because we were sowing into whatever spirit was in charge there, and that was a demon. So we sowed in the demonic. What did we reap? A demonic. So trust God and talk to him. Ask him for his signs and wonders, and he'll verify. So if you trust him to choose the leaders, you trust him with what he's doing in this ministry, if you sow into the spirit of God, you'll reap from his kingdom. It's as simple as that, but we don't want to admit that because that means we wasted all those years. We just have to get past that. But I just want to encourage you guys, when you make that sacrifice of your what your understanding is and you give financially, that's what sows it into your actual flesh and you'll reap the benefits. Some of the testimonies we've had so far and my own personal testimony of having sowed into Red Letter Ministries was transfiguration in my lungs. A little over a year ago, I was actually, um, I had gotten sick just long enough to make me go get an x-ray, and then I was immediately better the next day. Uh, but the, the x-ray technician, he had been doing that job for years. He was an expert, and he freaked out when he saw my lungs. He couldn't believe it. He said, what is going on with your lungs? Because, you know, I'm just a regular girl. He said, I've only ever seen lungs like this in deep-sea divers who have been diving their entire lives. And I told him it was the deep diving into the spirit of God. It's the living waters, it's the ocean of God. And I told, I told him, inhaling the Holy Spirit. It has physically transfigured my lungs to not be like anyone else's lungs, except that which you see in long-term deep sea divers. I barely go swimming, <laughs> you know? And um, I just wanna encourage you guys, we've seen from people who give, we've seen their skin manifest miraculously being healed. My blood has been healed. I used to have iron deficiency anemia my whole life. Now I've got my blood results. My blood is perfect because it's the blood of Jesus. It's really burning and boiling through the blood, removing the demonic altars. So when it's just Christ, the altar of the river of life in your blood, your blood is healed. But it was a giving of a sacrifice of money, tithes, offerings, time, and prayer, and things like that, giving out of what I've been given, sowing, and then that's what you reap. You reap back financially and in health. Because why? Because this is the kingdom of heaven and the real apostles that God has chosen. It didn't work in the past for you because those were not God's chosen apostles. They had good intentions. We love them. We forgive them. We bless them. But just test it out and try it now. You know? Go ahead and test it. Don't take my word for it. Try it. 
you know, at, at worst, you'll have some kind of a miracle happen, you know? <laughs> at best, it'll change your entire life and transform your whole household and community. So test it out and see for yourself. Thank you. Amen. Love you guys. Bless you. We'll see you tomorrow.